0: Uh, this morning we want to spend some time at looking at what it means to overcome in your marriage. And for this this morning we have a special guest speaker and his name is Mark Gungor. Mark, uh, we actually just were part of a conference out in Riverside and got to hear his conference which is called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage and uh, found that he was fantastic and amazing and we looked at each other and there's so many ways and places that we actually, uh, look, my wife and I looked at each other and said, that is totally us and we totally need to work on And It's been kind of a fun weekend for us to kind of uh, look at, at where we're at. But uh, Mark is from Green Bay, Wisconsin um, and there happens to be, a, I think there's a sporting event, golf or f- uh, football. Um, which is the way the game starts at 12.05, which I know it, we will definitely get out on time. second hour. Um, but, uh, Mark is a pastor, senior pastor of Celebration Church, which this is our celebration service. It's perfect, right? Um, but he is a pastor there, but he is, he speaks all over the country and internationally. It's been on the radio and television and really brings a, a message to us as married folks. And even if you are not married, that there are things in this, this morning that we pray would be a, a blessing to you. So would you please welcome with me, Mark Gungor.
1: Good morning. Good to be with you here this morning. Uh, I'm from Green Bay, as he said. We love to come to California in January. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a great joy to my heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. But uh, we are looking forward uh, in, is it October that we're coming back to do a marriage conference called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. I hope that you will join us or uh, encourage others that you think could maybe benefit from it. It will be a fun conference. You men will like it. This is a man-friendly conference. This is not one of these conferences that beats up on men for not being like women. Somebody say amen. Amen. And you women egg this on. All you got to do is ask most women to describe their ideal man. Listen to them. They will describe another woman. Someone who's sensitive likes to go shopping, la. They describe their favorite girlfriends. But men make terrible girlfriends. We can, however, make great men. Yeah. Amen. So, uh, so, so you'll enjoy that, so October's a ways, but to keep it in mind, looking forward to come back. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 41 go on 42 years, and uh, we, yes. Uh, We have two children and six glorious little grandchildren. you got to love grandchildren. How many of you all have grandchildren? Amen. It's God's reward for not killing your children. (laughs) There's a special connection between grandparents and grandchildren. We share a common enemy. (laughs) So anyway, we have these little... uh, chubby-faced toddlers, you know, that uh, we uh, read books to and stuff. And, you know, I, I love these, these illustrated books, you know, the stories that they have and they, you know, they have, uh, you know, the pictures and stuff like that and then a real simple story and sitting reading these stories to these kids. And I thought, yeah, I want to write a book like this. So I did. Now, this is not a book for children. <laughs> Don't buy this for your children, you'll traumatize your children uh, this this is a book on marriage but it's written like a very simple children's book uh it'll be great guys will like reading it simple and it has pictures all right uh, usually a marriage book is like that thick with 18 gazillion words and the wife says here read it and he doesn't want to read it you know so this is an easy one to read i call it the beatitudes of marriage and that's what i'm going to share with you uh, this morning uh, now it's a play on words. Jesus, in his famous sermon on the mount, gave his nine beatitudes, which is a fancy word for blessings. You know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. You know, that's. He gave nine of them, and I gave my came up with my nine, beatitudes of marriage. But it's just a play on words. They're not blessings. They're attitudes you should be. They're be attitudes. So I have simple attitudes, nine of them, that if you incorporate them. It'll be good. How is this relevant to uh, your series? Well, the Bible says, To him that overcomes, you will be able to sit with me in my throne. That's what Jesus said in Revelation. Uh, You can't be an overcomer unless you have something to overcome. Right? A lot of times we get miserable or upset because we have to overcome things, but that's how we become an overcomer. It's like people say, you know, I want a miracle. I want to experience miracles. But then we all complain when we need miracles right? So the only time that we can really be overcomers is we have something to overcome. Only overcomers will get into heaven. That's why only married people will get into heaven. All right, so now, I'm just teasing. I want to go through my nine Beatitudes and we'll see how it goes here this morning. Number one, if you're going to have a successful marriage, very simple concept, be nice. Everybody say, "Be be nice. Be nice. You can't be nice. Now, for some bizarre reason, we live in a culture today that thinks, I'm married. I don't have to be nice. Because we think, because we're married, the rules don't apply to us anymore. But I got news for you. They still apply to us. A marriage license is not permission not to live out your faith. Somebody say amen. amen. Some of the sweetest people in church on Sunday morning, singing and praising God Shaking everybody's hand, the sweetest people on earth, until we get you home. That's when the demons come out. And people are yelling and screaming and barking at each other, and it is inconsistent. We should not do that. Now, the reason why so many people do that today, and we've got a predominantly older group here today. It's really more poisonous to the younger group, I must say. But we live in a culture today that is obsessed with feelings, it used to be when most of us grew up that a man and a woman were defined by their actions. Our actions defined us. Sadly, in our culture today, they believe their feelings define them. And whatever they feel, they have to do it. And because of feelings, they're redefining you know, morality, sexuality, everything in the world. Because if you feel it, you got to do it if you feel it. And it is literally destroying our culture. And uh, and the church is having a difficult time rejecting this and uh, keeping sanity in our midst. Everybody's obsessed with how they feel. And, you know, about 40, 50 years ago, there was this idea introduced into uh, Western culture. Somebody with a PhD who thought he was being really brilliant came up with this terrible piece of advice that says, in marriage, the most important thing is that you're honest with how you feel. You've heard this nonsense, right? You have to be honest with your feelings. So we've got sweet people that go home and emotionally vomit all over each other. Because they think it's healthy. But it's not healthy, it's destructive. Your mama was right. If you don't have something good to say, don't say it. This idea that people think it's healthy in relationships to say everything that comes into their heads, these people are crazy. People often ask me, Pastor, how have you been married for 41 years? I always say it's because we're not honest with how we feel. (laughs) I'm sure there's mornings my wife wakes up, looks at me, and feels like she's been blessed by God. Hallelujah. I'm sure there's mornings she wakes up, looks at me, and feels like she married the spawn of hell. (laughs) A simple good morning will suffice. I don't have to hear that. This idea that you say everything that comes into your head that something is healthy, it is not. It is destructive. Now, I get it. Everybody has their issues they need to work through and discuss fine. But this idea of just being honest with every little thing that goes into your head is very destructive. And it is destroying our culture today. And I promise you, the most successful people in this room, and I'm sure we have quite a few, are the kind of people who never asked themselves how they felt. Successful people never ask themselves, do they feel like working? Do they, anybody go to school? Anybody feel like studying? You know who asks themselves if they feel like studying? All the people who flunked out of school. All these musicians up here this morning, wasn't that joyous? Wasn't them picking in a great thing? Man, I wish I could play like that, but not really. You wouldn't want to do that. Because you wouldn't want to do what they did to get there. Which is hour after hour of mind-numbing drills normal people wouldn't do that that's why musicians are so odd (laughs) but they don't ask themselves nobody feels like doing that that's crazy you know who asked themselves if they felt like practicing all of you who quit your piano lessons (laughs) listening to your feelings is not helpful it is particularly destructive to the male culture in America Because they've been trying to turn men into women for 50 years in this country. And it's been an unmitigated disaster. Convinced that if men would just be more in touch with their feelings, it'll be a better world. When in fact, it is not helpful. Women don't understand this. Women tend to feel good things, altruistic things. What they don't understand is men feel bad things. A man needs to learn not to listen to his feelings. When a man gets angry, he feels like punching you in the face best he not do that there's all kinds of things we feel we shouldn't do and what's the number one reason a boy today in America doesn't want to do something I don't feel like it (laughs) I tell parents every time your kid tells you he doesn't feel like it you should break out laughing (laughs) shut up and do it I'm glad you don't feel like it because it's a lesson in life if you listen to your feelings, I mean, come on, let's face it. A lot of us, we just feel like sitting in front of the TV and doing nothing. It will destroy you. Don't get caught up in this obsession on feelings. Be respectful to each other. Be kind. And people are always trying to explain to me why they don't have to be nice in their marriage. Why they're nice in their family. Pastor, what do I do if my husband does blah, 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 blah. Well, be nice. Well, what if my mother-in-law does such and such? Well, just be nice. Brother, you don't know my mother-in-law. (laughs) Well, just be nice. Just because someone else is misbehaving doesn't give us a green card to forget who we are as people of faith. Somebody say amen. Amen. You say, well, it's hard. (laughs) Indeed it is. (laughs) But we need to be nice. Here's an important thing. If you're going to be successfully married, you need to learn to be content. Be happy. Don't always live in the world of I wish uh, something else happened. or I'd rather be, or what ifs. It'll be destructive. It'll suck the life out of you. Don't ever think your circumstances have to change for you to be happy. Because if you think your circumstances have to change before you can be happy, you'll always be a victim. And one of the glorious things about the Christian faith is we can be happy despite our circumstances. James wrote, he says, count it pure joy when you enter troubles of all kind. The implication is to celebrate, to have a party. It's like inviting all your friends. Come on over, we're going to celebrate. What are we celebrating? (laughs) My life is terrible. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul wrote these words, very famous words. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we often quote that verse as a victory-conquering verse, and it's really not. There are lots of wonderful victory-conquering verses, fear not. But the context of that verse isn't conquering so much as as it is enduring. Because Paul, right before that, he says, I've learned the secret. Have you learned the secret this morning? He says, I've learned the secret to be content no matter what my circumstances." Whether I'm full or whether I'm hungry. Whether I have lots or whether I have learned little. I have learned the secret of being content. That's when he says, I can do all things. The all things he's talking about are things that stink and are miserable. I can do all things through Christ who gives us... Our joy doesn't come from our circumstances. If your joy comes from your circumstances, you'll always be miserable. And so many people today think, well, gee, I could be happy, Pastor, if only I had a nicer car, only if I had a nicer house. If I hadn't married that idiot and would have married the other idiot, I'd be so much better off. But they're constantly chasing something else. We need to stop. Our joy does not come from things, and it doesn't come from circumstances. Our joy comes from knowing Christ. And I always tell the people in my church, just relax. Enjoy life. Enjoy the road you're on. It might be a dead end. People say, how will you know? When you get to the end. (laughs) If it's a dead end, turn around. Go back another way. Quit getting so discouraged. Life is hard. That bright, shiny light you see at the end of the tunnel could be another train. Learn to be content. Don't tell me you can't be happy because your husband does X, Y, or Z. Don't tell me you can't be happy because your wife doesn't do A, B, C. We can be happy no matter what. We need to learn to be content regardless of our circumstances. Here's an important one. If you're going to be successfully married, you need to be content. I mean, uh, connected. You need to be connected. Get some friends. Now, I have to confess that much of our older generation here come from a generation where nobody should know our business. This is our marriage. No one should know our business, our business, our business. I don't think it was particularly helpful or healthy. The good news is we didn't live by our feelings. But today, these young people who think, no one should know our business, this is our business, you know, and they're incomprehensibly miserable. Marriage was never designed to be two people on an island all by themselves. If it's just you and your spouse on an island, you'll turn into cannibals and you'll eat each other. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing about being involved in a church. Do life together. Get some friends. Well, I got my friends and he's got his friends. No, no, no. That's the problem. We all have dysfunctional crazy people that think like us. That's why they're our friends. I'm talking about couples, friends. If you do not routine, I say this particularly to young people, if you do not routinely get to other couples and discuss you're crazy, you're going to be miserable. Well, I want to discuss it. Well, you're going to discuss it eventually anyway, probably to a pastor or to a counselor. Better to do it up front in the first place and quit playing this stupid game. Christians are famous for this. No matter how miserable we are, we come to church and smile. You're coming to church, you're yelling and screaming at each other on the way there, trying to cast the devil out of your kids in the back seat. Walk in the door, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Good. Good to see you. Stop that. I always tell my people in church, don't you lie to me. If I ask you how's it going, you tell me it's good when it's going terrible, shame on you. I said, How's it going? Say, I'm doing okay, but my husband's possessed. All right, at least be honest. we got to quit playing this stupid game. There will be thousands of Christian people today in America who will learn that Bobby and Susie in their church are getting a divorce. And you know what the overwhelming response will be? I didn't know they were having any problems. Why? Because we play this stupid game. Shame on us. We need to be open and honest with each other so we can minister to each other and help each other. And quit playing this game of this phony face deal. We need to learn that in the Christian church, it should be a safe place. It should be safe enough to fail. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not about an exercise in a competition to see who's the most perfect because nobody's perfect. At least in California, you guys tend to be more open and honest. Green Bay, they're brutally honest. <laughs> Green Bay, if somebody doesn't like you, they tell you. There's no mystery. In the deep south, that's hard because it's hard to tell what people think of you. If they love you they'll say bless your heart. If they hate your guts they'll say bless your heart. You have no idea where you stand. Be nice, be content, be connected. Here's an important one. Be prepared. Life is hard. It's really 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 hard. Has anybody noticed this? For heaven's sakes. Pastor so hard. I know the good news is we die. People say, well, I think heaven is here on earth. Really? That's very sad for you. (laughs) If you think this is heaven, man, how awful is that? Life is hard. That's why you single people, for the love of heaven. When you're dating somebody, look for someone of character. Don't get caught up in how cute they are. Character will last you a lifetime. Sexy has a shelf life. It doesn't. Some of us have hit our expiration dates, I got to tell you. Get not forget about how cute they are. You want someone who's got character in them so you can do life together because it's really, really hard. Two versions of hard. Number one, sometimes life is unpredictable. My wife, bless her heart, this morning, she's uh, back in Green Bay. She's not feeling well. She's struggling with cancer. And... Uh, her name's Debbie, if you remember her in your prayers. But I remember a few years ago, she was going through chemo and she was so sick. I mean, just, it was, they'd given her too much, almost killed her. They were, she was within an inch of her life. They were in emergency rooms and ICUs and stuff. And finally they sent her home, brought her home on a Saturday and she just all drugged up, just, you know. And I put her to bed, you know, that night and she's just all just I'm trying to be quiet. You know, and the next morning, the alarm clock. You know, I got to get up because I got to go preach, right? So I get up early and uh, just look. I look at her. And she's just, just all drugged up, and I go into the bathroom and I close the door and I go in the other room, close the door. I'm sitting on the can meditating. All right. Now at the same time, I had a younger brother living with us because his wife had kicked him out of the house. He deserved it. All right. And we're Latinos, and Latinos always live with family. You can't escape family from our world. That's why it's so difficult for us to fill out those employment forms. Nearest relative not living with you. I can't fill this out. What is this? They all live with me. So he's living with us. He was supposed to be there a few weeks. Nine months later, he's still there. We call him the basement troll. Well, apparently all that week he'd been getting horribly depressed because his life was horrible. And, uh, I got my own problems. Deal with my wife and he's just going. Apparently he went days without sleep. He was hitting a very depressed part. And he just has this manic breakdown in the middle of the night, that night. He comes up the steps. He walks into the kitchen and starts yelling at me and threatens to kill me. The problem is I'm not in the kitchen. I'm sitting on the can, all right? Well, my wife wakes up, and she hears him threatening to kill me. Well, she freaks out, so she calls 911. (laughs) You
0: got to come right away. He's going to kill my husband.
1: Well, she's waiting there, just kind of in and out of her haze. And finally, I come walking out of the john. She goes, what are you doing here? I live here. (laughs) I thought you were in the kitchen. Your brother's trying to kill you. Well, now, see, I think she's hallucinating because of all the drugs you know. Da, 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 da. all of a sudden the police pull up oh man quick put on some pants run outside the police looks at me and says sir someone's trying to hurt you and I look at the cop and I look at my wife and I look at the cop now you know that look your wife can give you that I'm gonna kill you look you should see that look when you're trying to tell a cop right in front of her that she's crazy this is not a good look I said, sir, listen, she's on a lot of drugs and so she's just getting mad. All of a sudden, police cars come zooming into the street and park in front of our house, lights turning, guys jumping out with their weapons pulled they start surrounding our house. What's going on? He said, he just called in, he threatened to blow up the building. My wife looks at me and says, I told you. Of course, by now, all I can think of is what do the neighbors think? It's Sunday morning in front of the pastor's house. <laughs> There's police everywhere. I could picture the old couple across the street looking out their window going, I knew they had a crack house in there or something wrong with them people. <laughs> they finally got him and went to get some help. He's doing much better. What did we do? We just laughed. We just laughed. Just, life's unpredictable. Don't panic and freak every time something goes the way you didn't think it was gonna go. I think people live in too much of a bubble today. When that bubble gets popped, they just collapse. Man, this is like a normal day for us. Life is unpredictable, that's what makes it hard. There's another version of hard. Sometimes life is predictable. And this gets very irritating, particularly for the female gender. Because nothing's more irritating to a woman than to have to deal with the same problems over and over and over again with a man. It drives them insane. Women come to me and say, why do I have to keep dealing with the same problems with my husband? I say, because he's still breathing. (laughs) Hang in there, he has to go eventually. just... Now, everything in a woman's life is cyclical. I don't know. She can handle everything. The monotonous. You get a job where you have to keep doing the same brain-dead thing over and over and again, and women tend to be on those assembly lines all the time. They can handle it fine till it comes to a man. And I don't know why that is. Just relax. They're looking for some silver bullet where well, they'll never visit. It. You know, I love hearing the stories of people who've been married for 75 years. And they interview and say, when did you two overcome your differences? And they always say... We never overcame anything. <laughs> we still deal with the same stuff over and over. Just when you think you fix it, she'll be coming round a mountain when she comes. Here it comes again, and then you adjust and you fix it, and you think everything's good, and then she'll be coming round a mountain when she. Comes. It just keeps coming. Just deal with it. It'll be fine. Again, that's why this is not heaven. Here's an important one: be proactive. Now here we have a problem today in our culture. We live in a world today that people seem to have no connection between what they do and what they get. People's lives are terrible and they have no idea why it's terrible. And they think it's just someone else's fault. It's the government's fault. It's somebody else's fault. Somebody, it's my parents' fault. There's no connection between what they do and what they get. But the Bible's very clear. It says God is not mocked, you will reap what you sow. The truth of the matter is, if your life stinks, it's because you're doing stinking things. It is just that simple. Now, in all fairness to the younger ones amongst us, many people today live, come from very dysfunctional homes. They don't know how to do life anymore. And if you don't know how to do life, get involved in the church. That's why we're here. We're here to help you do life together. We can give you the wisdom and the insights, but you're not going to do it by osmosis. Even just showing up for a couple of hours a week isn't going to do it. You need to get involved. We'll show you what you need to do because here's the wonderful thing. If you will do the right things, you'll have a great life. That's what God promises. That's why we study the scriptures. It's the manual. We're not trying to earn our way into heaven by reading the Bible. It's not some penitential thing that we're doing. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me as I read the Bible. These are the guidelines for how to do life. Let us help you. The beautiful thing here, I'll yell at the next group, I guess the younger group. (laughs) They really should be coming more to this service to connect with you people, to learn how to do life. Somebody say amen. We should be cherishing wisdom. Sadly today, people stick their nose up at wisdom and you guys don't know what you're talking about and they get themselves in all kinds of trouble. Here's an important one. Be clear. Habla ingles. You need to be clear. Now, the problem here is usually one of the person, people in the marriage is much more emotive than the other. Usually the wife, but not always. Sometimes it's the man. Guess who's the emotive one in my family? You know. <laughs> and we got to talk. All our feelings. Ooh, nah. Now here's the problem. Whoever is very emotive always thinks they're being clear when they're not being clear because they roll their eyes a certain way or nod their heads. and That's not being clear. You need to tell somebody what you're going through. Are you mad? You know I'm mad. I told you. When did you tell me that? Remember when we were talking earlier and I went, "Ah." Really? I thought you had gas. You need to be clear. Now, because this tends to be a predominantly more... Woman's thing. It's a great strength, but it can be a weakness as well. Let me help you this morning I'm gonna show you women how you can be clear how to get a man to do what you want him to do You might want to write this down you younger ones The older ones have figured it out already, but how to get a man to do What you want him to do number one? Tell him what you want Well, if he really loved me, he'd know what I want Seriously, you're living in a delusion. Tell him men do not have ESP. We have ESPN. (laughs) You have to ask for what you want. Number two, you have to ask more than once. (laughs) Asking a man to do something once is like never having asked him to do it at all. I you know what drives women crazy because they don't want to ask the first time. I say, Why is that? Why? Why Why do we have to repeat ourselves? Why? Because we're just men. You know, we don't want to do what you want us to do. Is that a shock? <laughs> Here's a newsflash, girls. If we wanted to do it, we'd have done it already. Well, we're in men's world. We're just like, and suddenly our wives say, honey, will you do such and such for me? And our left brain says to our right brain, you hear something? (laughs) Right brain goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) Just say it again. And number three, don't insult the man. Insult is not a motivation for a man. What's the matter with you? Can't you pick up the laundry? Nope. I wish I could, I just can't do it. Now, I know you spiritual women are thinking, no, 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 Pastor. Not if I had a godly man. If I had a godly man, I wouldn't have these problems. Godly man, you mean like God? All right, let's talk about that just for a minute. Forget about your goofy husband. Let's talk about you and God. Now, if you want something from God, what's the first thing you have to do? You have to ask for what you want. Even though Jesus said, God, unlike your husband, actually knows what you want before you ask him. But if you don't ask him, you ain't getting jack squat out of God. (laughs) Number two, what did Jesus teach us? You need to ask more than... Ooh, that proves God's a man right there. (laughs) Jesus said, ask, keep on asking, not keep on knocking. Why? I don't know why. Why do women always ask why? I don't know. And number three, you don't insult God when he doesn't move according to your timetable. Hey! Hey! Apparently your husband's more godly than you thought. (laughs) Here's an important one, being doers of the word. Learning the right thing without doing it means nothing. You have to actually do it. And I don't have time to get into it. Get the book. Next one. Be patient. Be patient, especially you younger people. For heaven's sakes. Just relax. Marriage is a dance that is perfected over time. It takes a while. I love going to these weddings, you know, and watching these couples dance, the slow dances, and you watch the young people, and they just kind of lock onto each other and waddle back and forth like penguins. totally er oblivious to the actual beat of the music. They're just horrible. But then you watch the older couples as they float around the room. It's like, wow. How do they do that? Because they've been at it for a while. They've learned each other's moves. Marriage is a dance that's perfected over time. It takes a while. Look, the good news, ladies, is every study shows that men are improved by women. Every study shows that married men are healthier, happier, live longer, make more money than a single man. In the same category of life, same demographic, there's always a married man performs better, is healthier, the whole deal. In fact, statistically, one of the most dangerous things a man can do in America today is to remain single. They say it's the equivalent of smoking two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. Isn't that amazing? I guess the worst thing is a single man who smokes two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> so the good thing is you do improve. You, you can eventually get your husband where you want him. It just takes a long time. It's a long process. The good news is you can eventually get him where you want him. The bad news is then he dies. <laughs> and then finally, if you're going to have a successful marriage, you need to be dead. What does that mean? Look, it's virtually impossible to read the New Testament, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and not come away with the sense that God wants to kill you. Not the physical you, but the selfish part of you. Lay down your life, pick up your cross, being crucified with Christ. God wants to kill you. And there's no more perfect institution designed to kill you than marriage. Because you can't do it and stay selfish. It's impossible. In all marriages, and for one reason and one reason only. Oh, I hear all... Well, it's because of... No, 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 no. One reason and one reason only. Somebody gets selfish. We, as people of faith, need to learn to die to ourselves. Here's the thing. As much as we will encourage you in our conference... From this morning, how to have a more successful life. As much as the church can encourage you and show you how you can experience the blessings of God in your life. There's no question about that. But the truth of the matter is this. Nobody gets everything they want. And God doesn't even want you to get everything you want. You have children. Is it good to give them everything they want? They would say, oh, yes. But no, it's bad, and it's the same for you. At some point, we're not supposed to get everything we want. We're supposed to learn to die to ourselves. Well, I want this, and I want that. I'm sure you do, but why doesn't God give it to me? Because he doesn't want you to have everything you want. Jesus gave us a parable. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it will die, new life comes out. But boy, if that doesn't describe a lot of people today, just buried in the ground, they're lonely, they're cold, they're dirty, they can't breathe. Pastor, what do I do? Die already! Because if we'll learn to let go and to let God, we'll start to climb out of the dirt and into the sunshine of His glorious grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and for Your truth. Challenging words this morning maybe comical words. The truth is, Lord, though, this is As simple as it is, it's very hard. But help us understand life is hard and doing the right thing is not always easy. But Lord, help us to learn to do the right things. And at some point, help us to learn to let go and to let God so that we can climb out of the dirt and into the sunshine of your glorious grace and live the kind of lives that people around us will say, Man, how do you do that? I'd like to be like you. And then we'll have the opportunity to share the wonderful news about your son, Jesus. We thank you for this in Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.